Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at uh, First Church Ministries, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we are finishing chapter 5 today, and um, a couple more lessons, and we'll be going to something new. I'm going to open us in prayer now. Um, Lord, we uh, thank you for the time we have. We thank you for watching over us. We thank you that um, you love us, that you care for us, that um, you love us and care for us so much that you gave us your word, that you gave us direction about what the truth is and that we could live the truth, that we could live lives pleasing to you. And Lord, we know we can't do that without your spirit. We pray that your spirit would be with us now, helping us understand your word, helping us have charity for one another, um, helping those that listen to me now to have charity for me as I give views that I think are the truth, but I, I don't always have a total grasp of truth. Um, but I pray you give it to us now. I pray that your spirit help us understand it and um, help us live lives pleasing to you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, that's sort of my caveat on this. I'm teaching on husbands and wives today. Uh, I, I told my wife before I left this morning that the, the uh, thought comes up is, uh, and I told Jose that uh, fools rush in. Uh, where the wise men fear to tread, but this is the next part of Ephesians. <laughs> so uh, the beauty of teaching about uh, through books of the Bible is you can't really avoid the topics. Okay, there's stuff that comes up here, and then the other thing too is um, it puts it in context. And so we're going to talk about that today because a lot of things are taken out of context. Uh, we're gonna, we're not going to have it on this this section, but the next section talks about. Slaves and masters, and it talks about slaves submitting to the masters, but it also talks about masters being compassionate to their slaves, which we, when they, they took that in the, uh, the uh, southern United States uh, area, when there was slavery, they would read the first part about slaves submitting and ignore the, uh, and not read it, but totally ignore the other part about the responsibility that the masters had on that. And again, the Bible does not advocate slavery. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, it regulates slavery. Okay, there are it try it tried to it, it, things that were wrong. It tried to regulate in a sense to minimize damage to other collateral damage. But the teachings of the New Testament were such that slavery could not be countenanced by a culture that believed in God and the rights that He gave. So um, we'll be going there next week. Um, I have a week to prepare. Uh, so <laughs> so we are now in wives, husbands and wives. So. Um, we, uh, we ended the last section, um, and we'll go back to that at the beginning of this, but let me read this section uh, now that we're going to be considering today. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and he in, is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having her, having cleansed her by washing with water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he sh she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, 
and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, apologies before I go on to the next section. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm reading, and so this was a bit choppy, I encourage you to go over and spend some time reading this and just really soaking in this. Um, I'm going to go back now to Ephesians 5, where we ended last time, okay? So we, the, the, end of, uh, the, the first part of chapter 5 ended in verse 21, submitting out of, uh, to one another out of reverence to Christ. Interestingly enough, after I finished teaching that section, um, and uh, Jose said, my Bible has, has 21 being with this next section. And I said, well, my Bible <laughs> as it, has it in the old section. And, and traditionally, it has been in that earlier section. I think some modern translations has been moved more into this section. And one of the reasons I say that is because this issue of submission and wife submitting has become very, very um, um, controversial. And so they want to emphasize the fact that the submission is, is, is mutual ahead of time. Or it could just be in the old times that they didn't want, <laughs> they wanted to separate that because they wanted to emphasize the wife submitting. And now in the modern thing, we realize that this whole section is talking about submission completely because this submission section here, verse 21, starts a whole section of submission. It talks about submission of uh, one another, of husbands and wives, of children to their parents, and then of masters and slaves, which we would have some application to employee relationships, not exactly apropos, but we'll be talking about that. So it could be, indeed, that modern scholarship hits the nail on the head when it puts this in here. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about on this. So, so he talks about all this. Um, in fact, uh, the, the reason that, that would be on the old one is it doesn't seem to be, appear as a new sentence. It appears to be a clause at the end of one sentence. Okay? And so, it, but, but if you started at the first one, you start this as the new section, then it makes a lot more sense for, again, the submission thing. So, um, what is submission? Submission is bowing your will to another person's will. Okay? In other words, the, the, you, you do another person's will instead of your own will. That is submission. Okay? Um, submission is very easy, by the way, when you agree with the other person on the thing being submitted to. You know, where do you want to go? I, I, oh, let's go to uh, you know, Steakhouse. Oh, yeah, I like that. They'll go to Steakhouse. That's easy. Okay? It's like, let's go to Steakhouse. Oh, man, I go to Steakhouse all the time. I don't want to go there. Then submissions gets a bit harder, okay? And, uh, and so submission is very easy when we agree with things and very difficult when we don't, okay? Submission, I want to be, go on this thing. Submission is a result of the fall, okay? Um, it's it, because it's an issue of will. And, and submission becomes difficult. There, there is submission. There was submission before the fall, and there will be submission forever. Okay, because the, the son submits to the father, and, and and so there's submission inside the Trinity. Um, but there's a submission is not bad in and of itself. It's the twisting of submission that gets bad. So I want to talk about that a little about that too. So I want to sort of set the stage for that, and I also want to sort of set the stage for the, this. And this is constantly pointed out that we are told to submit to one another before wives are told to submit to their husbands. And also, um, wives, the word submit is not in verse 22, okay? And therefore, 21 really, in a sense, really does belong to 
this next section because it says um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then it says wives as to your husbands. Okay, it does not say wives submit to your husbands. The word submit that you get in your translations is a clause that comes from the 21. It's a reference to it. So when he says wives as to your husband, the question is, why is what as to your husband will submit? Because that's what he's talking about. It's carrying on to that talk. So, so um, I, I say that, um, not that it makes any difference, because it's clearly, he's clearly talking about the wife submitting, okay? I'm just saying that it's a reference there because the overall theme is us submitting to one another. Verse 21 requires mutual submission among Christians. Verse 22 denotes submission especially of a wife to her own husband. I want to point that out, too, when we get into this in more detail. It does not tell women to submit to men. When I was in college and I was a believer, sad to say, that, that I had the, I used to tease girls about submission of women to men, stuff like that. I didn't believe it, but, but there was enough pain in, in what our culture and in, in the abuse and twisting of that that I regret that now. I mean... They understood what was going on, but it was an unkind teasing, sort of like the the unkind words that we talked about in the last lesson that we shouldn't be doing. Um, we're remarkably um, ignorant of our own sins. <laughs> Sometimes in retrospect, we can look back and go, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. But when we're doing them, it's like, what's the big deal? Okay. But it was it was a horrible thing. So I put that in. I put this in here. Um, uh because scripture has been twisted into a form where, um, in many ways, husbands and wives, um, this whole section on husband and wives has been twisted the same way that the slave owners and holders in the South did to their slaves. The submission was the big issue. I'm going to tell you, the submission was not the big issue um, with the slaves, and it's not the big issue in this passage with the wives. Love is. And we're going to talk about the husbands' duty to love their wives. But submission is part of the order of creation that God has in there. And you say, uh, and again, I talked to Jose, I once teaching this section uh, in the youth study had a girl quit coming because of this, because she said, just because uh, a person, the guy's a man, doesn't mean I need to submit to him. Uh, you know, and, and pointing out that it didn't say that, that it said husband and wife, you know, still didn't make any difference to the person because they weren't going to submit to anybody. That was the thing. It's sort of like, so, so um, I want to be sensitive on this. Um, submission is required, but submission is required of all of us in different frames, different respects. And it starts out by submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Um, you, this, is, this is important because without structure and without... Um, the, the 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 home, the family, and the government, and the church, without a structure in there, there's anarchy. And anarchy resulted in the flood, basically. You know, the man, each man did what was right in his own eyes is a recipe for disaster. Okay, so so we're going there. This I want to put it in a broader context. So this is a couple more slides on on the on this context, though. So imitating Christ's humility. So. Here it talks about, therefore, if you have any encouragement about being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, 
being one in spirit and one in mind, do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality God, God something to be used to his own advantage or grasp, is actually probably a better text on that. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ humbled himself. Christ submitted to God, the Father, okay? And because of that, it says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of Father. So um, it's interesting to note that, that, that therefore there gives the glory because of that submission. Okay? Um, it is not quite the same mechanism with us, and yet God calls us to submit that he may glorify us, that he may lift us up. But submission is required. Um, Christ had to submit, and I have a couple passages that you might want to take some time and look at in here. In the desert, he was off. He, he said, listen, if you'll do this, and he said, no, I'm not going to do this to the devil. He said, I'm going to submit to God and God's will. And then in Gethsemane, and Gethsemane is particularly important. How can God not agree with himself? Because Jesus was God. And yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, his will was at odds with the Father. You know, Father, if you can, take this cup away from me yet not my will, but your will be done. There's a difference of will here that he struggled with that is the essence of Christ redeeming us, redeeming mankind. And the reason that we are part of the body of Christ is because we too share in that struggle and we too agree, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. So we have to submit too. And, And we have to submit to God but we have to submit to other people in our lives, too. If you say, I'm not willing to submit, I submit to God and no one else, then you're not, you're not acting in accordance with the truth. I want to say you're not Christian, but you're not living like a Christian because God calls us to submit. He calls us to submit to government authorities, or to, to submit to the church, uh, and that, that's a whole discussion of what is the church. And in this issue, we're told to submit to one another. We're told to submit, wives to submit to husbands. We're told... Uh, slaves are submitting to their masters, but again, with, with instructions in there, there's a submission involved here that God uses even in a sinful world, even in a world that has slavery, okay? Even in a world where marriages are not perfect, God still uses this to bring about his will. And so that's what it's talking about here. This, the second thing is I want to talk about um, the fall, uh, I got in here late again. <laughs> I told Jose, I, I really honestly intend to get in there in time, but I have, I, at the last minute I had slides and they kept on adding and adding. So um, I'm thinking about doing Genesis. This is, um, if, if you listen to this and you want me to, I, Genesis is an area I'm interested in, but I wanted to point, pull this out of Genesis right now. Um, that um, 
uh, the, some extractive passages about husband and wife. And it says, uh, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. But, uh, and he named the animals, and it says, but for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed him up with the, fl- place, uh, with the flesh. And then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of a man and brought him to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman. Uh, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And so we see here that the purpose of, of uh, uh, God was to, in Genesis 1, I probably should have had that chapter first, that he created man um, and that he created him male and female, he created man, it says. And so if you read chapter 1, you understand that male and female are equal parts of man, okay? There's not one under the other. In this section, he's trying to explicate what does that mean. It's, it's sort of like um, you, you need a different perspective. In this one, man is, has been created, and uh, now we know in, in the explication, the first chapter was more of a poetic helping us understand philosophical and theological understanding that we're one, uh, male and female. This one is sort of like how it happened in, in time space. And man was created, he named all the animals, and then he, cre- he, he created a need in man as he named the animals because man was alone, and, that, and man was given a job to do, naming the animals, and, and it was, um, and that, that had, there's lots of stuff in there too, but, but it made him understand his aloneness and his need for a helpmate. And so God caused him to fall into sleep and created a helpmate for him, and that was woman. And uh, he was drilled with a woman, and, uh, and they leave, uh, it says, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and unite his wife and he'll become one flesh. Now, we know that's a retrospective type thing because they had no mother and father. So this is sort of an instruction for us for generations to come that, that husband and wife are one flesh. Very interesting that it says that because they're trying to, you know, the passage, uh, who'd have thunk, you know, God, God planting it way back there to help us understand that there's a unity in husband and wife. There's a flesh, a one fleshness. And uh, they were both naked and felt no shame. And again, I, I talked about that in the, the last lesson. So um, this, and this comes into play in this thing. They were naked and felt no shame because they had nothing to hide. They were clean spiritually. They were clean physically. There was, so they were naked and there was no shameness. Once they sinned, there was something to hide spiritually. They wanted to hide their disobedience from God. They couldn't do that spiritually, and so they hid themselves and they covered themselves. And so we see that in this next section. When the woman saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave it to a husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, it, the implication may be that he might have been right real by, nearby or that he might have just been with her. There was two, but I think the implication here is that he was nearby and did not intervene. So um, she took it and ate, he took it and ate it. Then both of their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made cover themselves. So, so, so why did they do that? Because all of a sudden there was something to hide in their lives. Sin caused a hiding of things. 
Now, this next section, um, God's walking in the garden in the evening, and he used to do that. He used to walk with man in the garden in the evening, Adam and Eve, and they would walk together with him. And he comes walking, and he, he says, Adam, you know, where are you? And uh, he says, well, I'm hiding myself. <laughs> I found his naked. Who told you we were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? And he says, um, the woman, it, it, it generates very quickly, that woman you gave me, um, that woman, she told me that, uh, that, uh, that I should eat of this fruit, and I ate of it. And then he says, so woman, what have you done? And the woman says, the serpent, the serpent deceived me. Is the blame shifting goes on? So he deceived me, and I ate it, and and so and then punishment is placed on the serpent is cursed. By the way, the land is cursed. Man and man and female, uh, man and woman are not cursed; they're punished. But he does not. He says, "Cursed are you above all livestock." The serpent. And he says, "Cursed is the ground because of you." But man and woman are not cursed; they're punished, and the punishment is very interesting because man was put to. Guard the, the work, the garden. He was, he was, uh, work was part of his calling, well, who he was, and uh, it still is. Man gets a lot of who he is out of his work, too much so a lot of times. But now work is going to be painful. You shall work the ground, and thorns and thistles shall come up, and 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 you, uh, by, you'll by the sweat of your brow you'll bring it forth, and from dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so the punishment is that the very thing that was to be a blessing and part of who you are is now painful and hard. For the woman, who was going to be a, was going to be what a helpmate for her and a, a bearer of children, okay? And so the punishment for the woman was in childbirth you shall have pain. So the very thing that was a blessing, you being able to procreate and have children, becomes punished. You know, pain is the punishment of that and possible death. And the, and the second thing it says, and your desire, it says here, to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. With painful labor you shall give birth to children, and your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. By the way, that's the same word, this desire here. It's the same word that's used a bit later when Cain kills Abel, and God talks, about, talks to Cain about it. He says, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you. Same it's not just a normal desire, it's a twisted, grasping desire to, to grab and to possess and to hold. And so what was normally to be a harmonious relationship of equals, but a submission nonetheless, is, is uh, God the Father and God the Son are equals. There's the equality there and, and the Spirit. There is a submission in there, too. So what was going to be natural and easy, because, again, it's not man's will that was supposed to be being done. It was God's will. So if you're married and the husband and wife are talking, the real discussion is what does God want us to do now? But now, because of our sinful nature, we can't really discern what God's will is. And so we each have our own desires, and there's just going to be a struggle here for mastery. So um, coming back, dealing with that, so, so it really is a, again, the submission struggle is a result of the fall. Um, that's not to say the submission goes away, because in heaven, uh, in eternity, we will still submit to Christ. And everyone says, oh, of course we will, submit to God. There'll still be a submission there. Now, you say, but wives will still have to submit to the husbands? Well, we have no idea what's going on in heaven, husband and wives, because it says we'll be like the angels and we won't be giving in marriage. So I, 
I have no idea what's going on there, but I do say this, there will still be submission of people to people. There'll be authority structures and stuff like that. It, it, the Bible nowhere teaches that we will all have one-on-one -on -one communication fully with God and that there'll be nothing. In fact, it talks about the thousand year reign and it talks about those coming to life will reign with Christ for those thousand years. So there will be leaders and teachers and authorities and don't ask me how that all works out here. I, I don't have time, but even if I had eternity, I wouldn't have time to talk to you because I don't understand it all. What God has planned for us is more wonderful than we can imagine. Let's come back to this. So, husband, love your wife. So, so here he says, um, going back here, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and is himself savior. Now, when the church submits to Christ, now as the church submits to Christ, so wives also should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I will say this. There is some talk that this could be some very dry humor on Paul's part. That um, uh, it's serious talk on this, and most people believe it's sort of fallacious. But um, the church doesn't ver submit very well to Christ, so <laughs> it's like he's giving women an out because it's a, it's a, it's a church submits to Christ, so women submit to their husband. Well, I don't do a very good job of it either. But I think that I don't. I think that. It's a bit too dry humor to be put in there. There is humor like that, an irony in Scripture. And I do think there's a lot of truth that the church does not submit well to Christ. But I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think what Paul's talking about is the same thing that we've just been talking about, that there's a, there's a structure and an order here. And wives are told when their husbands, their husbands make take the lead. They make the decisions. Now, a wise husband and a good husband and a God-fearing husband will not cross his wife on decision-making, okay? And, and we'll talk about that because of the love thing, too, but it's a, also just a stupidity thing, okay? If you tell your wife, if you're telling your wife what she should do around the house, you're more than likely not very smart, okay? Because your wife knows better than you do about the house, if that's the sphere of influence you've given her. Raising the children, okay? Yes, there are times that you need to, but if you're just overruling your wife and not listening to her and talking about what her concerns and fears are, I remember many times um, I would, your know, kids would do something wrong, um, and, we, and we got, I think, pretty well softballs for kids. We didn't have a lot of trouble. Um, so, so sometimes they do wrong. You're grounded. You're grounded for the you, the the rest of the year. You're grounded. You know, these say, now, dear, that might be a bit too harsh. <laughs> okay, and I'd be a fool not to listen to my wife, who knows what is is the pulse of my kids better than you know me. You know, um, and I think if you ask me, say, well, then you're just dumb. I know my kids as well as my wife. I'm not going to argue with you, but I would I, I disagree with you on it, okay? I think God has given a special empathy of women for their children, and I think they understand it better. So if you're not listening to your wives on area, critical areas like that, then I think I just have to say you're being stupid. I, there's no other word for it because we are called to, your wife is your partner. She's not subservient to you. She's your partner. She, she should, you'd be listening to her. Uh, and you shouldn't marry somebody that you don't value their opinion. And wives, you shouldn't marry somebody that you can't submit to, okay? 
is like, well, you don't know him. He's awful to submit to. But that was a choice, okay? Let me take a step back on this whole thing, on marriage, okay? Marriage is a test bed for us to learn to love one another and care for one another. It's a fence that God put up to protect us, okay, and try to nurture a relationship. And I think it says loads about us, and I'm, I'm, I'm that generic us, humankind. The humankind, given the decision that, that they can marry anybody they want, uh, the opposite sex, I mean, I, I, that, that, uh, that, that agrees to marry them too, okay, and settle down, and we can't agree on that. So you have half of the world to choose from. Now, obviously, you can't get around to everybody, and there's limitations, and, and they have to agree with you. But the point is, is you're able to pick the person you want, okay? And they're able to pick you, and you're able to get together and marry. And the divorce rate in the United States, and the United States has a pretty free area like that. There's not arranged marriages a lot. The divorce rate is 50%. Shows that we are not very good at getting along with each other, okay? Because you couldn't ask for better conditions, and yet we still have a 50% divorce rate. Um, and of the people that aren't divorced, there's an awful lot of really rocky marriages. Um, you know, so, so what's the problem here? But the problem is in the institution, people say, well, I, you know, yeah, marriage is a great institution, but who wants to be married to an institution? And that's sort of that's sort of silliness there. Uh, it's a relationship. It's a codified relationship, and it's a protected relationship. And yet we can't get along in that protected relationship, and nor can we do it over time period. And again, this is a mirror of eternity, our relationship with God through eternity. So it's not, the idea is not to be switching around. The idea is to be united with a person for this, this lifetime. It talks a lot about our own unwillingness, our willfulness and stuff. And so, um, don't give me wrong, I feel, I, my, my, I had a really bad, my parents had a horrible marriage. They were separated, they were divorced, they got back together and remarried each other, they got separated again. My father committed suicide. He was getting ready to be separated again. I mean, I know what a hell of a life is, okay? Maybe not the most hellacious, but a bad marriage life. Um, yelling and screaming and throwing things and stuff like that. And I have a pretty good marriage. I mean, God's gracious on there. But it ain't an easy way. And I have a great wife. I mean, the, the problems of my marriage, I wouldn't say they're all about me, but they're mostly about me, okay? I, I, I understand that a lot of the defects in my marriage are me, and it's, it's so hard, and I, I think we really try for each other, to help each other, to love. I try to love my wife, and she, she, she loves me and submits to me, but it's still difficult at times, and I, that's just what I'm saying is it's, it's not, so if you're in that situation, it's not just about you, it's about who we are. We're in a fallen world, and sin roots deep into our lives so that the person we care about most in this world, we often can't get along with. And think about that. Think about the person you thought that, that you would be with. I mean, the, the, the answer to your dreams and your prayers, and now you don't want to look at them anymore, you argue with them, speaks to the fact that, 
or, or even that you do get along, but you still have these roughnesses like what we have, that it, it speaks world to the fact that this is a twisted world, and we are twisted people aside from Christ. And yes, religion is a crutch, but we need that crutch. We are all crippled. Without Christ, we are crippled. And so he's talking about here, he's talking about um, why submit to your husbands? Because Christ is head of the church. Just, just like we're, talked, we're, we're called to submit to the government now. Some people don't believe the coronavirus and social distances is as is, is, is necessary as, as it is. And I was talking with a friend who is a pastor, not in this area, uh, far away, uh, about whether he wanted to have church services and whether the government could tell him what to do and stuff like that. And we had an interesting discussion because his decision to, what he was talking about was um, violating the government because he thought their decision was wrong. And we had an interesting discussion about the fact that that is not a reason that a Christian can violate the government. If they're asking to do something more unethical, that we have to meet as a body of Christ because God has commanded us, that's one thing. But if we just think they're wrong about the coronavirus and they've asked us to socially distance and we're not doing it, and we think it's because it's not as big a deal, then that's wrong because we're told to submit to government. And these, you know, we came around, came around to that position because it's true. Just because we disagree with the government doesn't mean we can disobey them. Just because you disagree with your pastor doesn't mean you, or your elders doesn't mean you can disobey them if they're giving you directions to do something. And just like a, a wife disagrees with her husband, doesn't mean that she's free to disobey him if she doesn't agree with him. Now, if those instructions are against God, that's another thing. So, but it, just because you disagree doesn't make it that you don't have to submit. Nor does it make it that we don't have to submit to it. I, I actually run my own business, but I'd be silly to say I'm my own boss because there's other factors and structures in it that I have to submit to. To, get, to keep the company running, I have to submit to the government and how I run things. Now, some of the contracts I have, I have to do things I don't like to do, nothing immoral and ethical. Fortunately, I, I'm in a good position there, but I, I, but I have to do things I don't want to do and don't like to do. Um, and, and one of the recent struggles I had was one of my clients didn't want me to shut down um, the, some operation because of the social distancing required it, but he didn't think it was that big a deal. And so we had a disagreement on that. I actually wound up obeying the government rather than him. But, but you know, there, there's issues on that that we have to deal with. So let's get back to this because we're running out of time. Um, why submit to your husbands is the Lord. We, we've covered that, I think, um, it, because, because Christ is the head of the church, and we, wives have to submit like that too. And so we should be submitting to Christ. Um, but let's talk about the more important thing. And, and I, um, uh, I only have a couple slides left, but they're important slides here. Um, husband, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So... If, if your issue is, there's, there's a, a movie called Fireproof, and I really highly recommend that book, uh, or a movie, excuse me. And, and, and then the guy's been saving up for a boat, and he, it's his money, he's going to buy the boat, okay? Uh, if Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, um, your money is not your own. See, this was his money. And, and even if you have a joint account, and you have your separate accounts that you keep your money, your money in, and she keeps her money in so they can buy whatever you want. 
It's still not your money and her money, okay? It's God's money. And so uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. You should be, if you're having arguments with your spouse about finances, Christ gave himself up for the church. Are you willing to give up something you want for your wife? Okay. Um, I'm trying to put some, some applicability to some of these things. Very easy to say, oh, yeah, I love my wife. I'm going to do that. So uh, that he may sanctify her, set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water and the water. This is a deep, deep sacrificial love. This is a love that says, I'm willing to be hurt to make you whole. Because Christ was willing to be hurt to make us all, that He might present Himself, uh, present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. His end game was to make her stronger, to make her more beautiful, to make us more, more of who we were meant to be. Um, so uh, again, Jose and I were talking a little just before thing that. Um, whether whether husbands are called to submit to their wives, and I would say no, but husbands are called to submit to Christ and God, and that submission finds its expression as sacrifice for the wife. And so the submission may be towards God, but the sacrifice is to the woman to help to to, to consider one another more important than yourself. So I and I I would say this I fall down in a lot of areas an awful lot of areas areas I don't even want to talk about but um, I do try when I make it when we we have decisions to try to have deference to my wife's decision over my decision unless there's a reason I just really strongly feel that it's wrong to do it that way. That's the sacrificial love that husbands are called to, called to give to their wives. So um, you say, well, Christ, we do things the way Christ does. No, actually not. You know, Christ said, I give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind shall be bound on earth, and whatever you loose shall be loosed on earth. So Christ gave to the church authority to make decisions in his stead. So the submission of Christ in the church still gives primacy to the church to make decisions. And I think that a husband would be wise to give primacy to his wife in making decisions, unless, again, they're beyond what is acceptable for some reason before God. Um, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Um, so, so I have a little note down here, reminding so why does he spend so much time discussing agape love that the, that the, um, the husband should have for the wife? He, he, I mean, the section on why submit to your husbands were pretty good. I think it's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. But the, the, the issue is, is love is not as clear. The implications of love are not as clear. And what love is about is not as clear. And quite frankly, agape love is much harder than, than submission is, okay? Um, if, you know, I, I think Christ, I, I, I'm just thinking of an example. I, I think Christ exhibited that in his life, that, that, that to truly live a life of love um, is, is a difficult thing to do. It's hard. It's, it's just, it's not easy. Um, 
Not that submission is easy either. I don't mean to underplay it, but what I mean to say is that submission may be hard, but it's pretty clear. You have to submit, okay? Love may be as hard or even harder, but it's much less clear. You can say you love somebody, and you're doing something for love and have totally selfish reasons, okay? So, so I'm saying, so here he says, this is what love is. This is how you should love your wife, sacrificially, willing to give your own life for your wife. That's the love you should have. And uh, I have not done a lot of counseling of men and uh, husbands and wives. I, I, in one area I did counsel, I remember the guy was, you can't tell me how to, I can discipline my wife if I want to. I'm thinking, your very nature, your very words condemn you as far as loving your wife. You could say you love her all you want, and you're doing it because you love her, but the way you say it indicates that you really are not sacrificial for you. You want that authority, and you're going to get it no matter what. God calls us to love, not just husbands, but wives too, and, and, the, and the thing. But here he has to particularly point it out. And then he goes into this, um, this thing at the end. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I just have to close here and say, I, there, Paul, Paul gets on his curses when he talks about verse 32. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Um, he would love to expound on that. He sort of takes uh, a rain check on it, okay? Because it, this whole section is talking about this, okay? And Colossians is also good about the, head, the, the uh, being seated with Christ and being united with Christ. But, but here he's just saying, but I'm trying to talk about submission. I'm going to go back to that. But the truth is, is that all of this is about Christ and the church. We are one day to be united with Christ. We are therefore called to submit. And we're called to bear with one another in love. And we're called to do all the things we talked about so we could walk with God, so we could walk with God like God walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He could walk with them and talk with them and enjoy their fellowship and enjoy the life they're living. That's what God wants to do with us. But then he comes back to this and says, um, however, let each of you love his wife and himself and see that the wife respects her husband. Now, again, the words change in here. Actually, the word respects is more the word fear, but it's not a craven fear. It's, uh, it's, it respects is a good translation of it. Um, it comes back to the point that there has to be some authority structure here. And the authority structure is this, love flowing down and submission flowing upward. So, 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 the wife submits to the husband, but the husband loves his wife. And the love flows down on that and makes that submission acceptable. Um, what happens when the wife, husband doesn't love the wife? And therefore the wife doesn't want to submit. That's something we really can't answer here. I mean, it's just not, I can't really do in this. Except to say that um, God will protect the woman who tries to honor God by submitting, okay? Obviously, do not submit, you know, to something that's wrong or more unethical. And if your husband's uh, abusing you physically, verbally, whatever, 
um, there may be a need to leave and get away. Um, and you shouldn't be in a situation like that. But, um, but, but submission, because you just don't agree. I mean, you don't agree, you don't want to submit. I think he's saying you need to submit. That's what God's saying. And win over your husband by your love and submission. And, and draw you draw closer to God. But I think more so to the men, he's saying, are you really loving your wives? Are you really sacrificially loving your wives? If you're having problems with your wife submitting or you're having problems with partying, it might not be submission. That may be an area that's not a problem, a surface problem, but there's other problems out there. If you're having problems in your marriage, are you loving your wife like you need to love your wife? Are you sacrificially giving up the time for her and effort for her and trying to please her? Um, that's what we're called to do. Again, Paul is calling us to something different than society. So you cannot take your norms off of society. You must take them from Scripture. But the norms in Scripture are very high and very tight. And it's so easy to say you love somebody and then not do it. I think Paul takes time here. I think that's more the offending party type of thing than it is. And we'll, when we get into the next section, we're going to be talking about slaves and masters. We're going to see again that the instructions given to the leader are worse, or, or not worse. They're more, they're more strict and they call for more sacrifice from the leader than they do from the follower. So we'll be covering that next week. I'm way over, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we uh, thank you for the time we have together. And um, Lord, I, I do not want to make light of, of situations that are difficult. And I know some people are caught in some very hard, hard uh, situations. And that um, that while your plan is, is for husband and wife through uh, all eternity, you know, through the, the time we're married, that doesn't always work out. And there's uh, hurting and pain there. And you have promised to forgive all our hurt and pain. You were willing to salve it. And Lord, we want to be obedient to you. Give us the strength to uh, rely on your spirit. But also, um, let us feel the forgiveness you have when we fall short, because we fall short in so many areas. I, I see my life, and I'm just so thankful that you forgive me and that you do not hold my sins against me, but that you work to change me and transform me. I just thank you for that and pray you watch over us and help us love our spouses more and more deeply and help us love one another more and more deeply through your spirit and with your love. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.